Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com odyssey. A note of warning, this podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and includes strong language. It therefore may not be suitable for our young listeners or other folks who may find it disturbing. Hello and welcome to True Crime Daily, the podcast, bringing you high-profile and under-the-radar cases from across the country every week. Today is October 10th, 2019. I'm Owen Michael. Billy Jensen is out of town today. Our guest this week is author Jan Burke, a mystery-slash-crime writer and best-selling author written 15 books and you have a special advocation for advancing uh, forensic science as I understand it. Yes. Um, thank you for being here today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, so Jan, uh, like I said, you, you write a lot of crime fiction. You've got short stories. You've got, uh, you've got some novels out. Uh, and talk about your interest in, uh, in forensic science and, and what kind of brought you to that uh, specialization. Right. Well, early on, by the time I reached uh, starting my second book, I realized that I was going to need to learn a lot more about evidence and how evidence worked. And I found that forensic scientists were really very generous um, in terms of uh, sitting down. And most writers in my genre find that. Um, and they're great at explaining complex science to dummies or to people who don't understand science because they have to do it before juries all the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so as I got to know these people um, and started going to classes and conferences and getting deeper into it because I enjoy science, um, I realized uh, about the time that CSI was becoming a big hit mm -hmm. – that there was a, what would we say, like basically early 2000s? Early 2000s, yeah. right, uh -huh. right. So in about 2003, I was invited to be a speaker at the American Society of Crime Lab Directors uh, Conference. And the trade-off was they, they couldn't pay me, but they'd let me go to all the sessions. So I was like, I'm in, yeah, you know. Right <laughs> so so uh, they, 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 they flew me out there and put, gave me room and board and all that. But, but uh, my fee was just being able to eavesdrop. And I realized that there was just this gigantic gap. I'd already been realizing there was a gigantic gap between what people were seeing on television as what a crime lab looked like and was able to do 
versus the reality. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not saying this, the science wasn't real in CSI. It was just that nobody was funding their local lab sure. to do that kind of work. I knew that at that point, in 2003, DNA was not being used to solve rapes and murders. Mm-hmm. Um, it was being used as a prosecution tool mm-hmm. because the lab was so backed up mm-hmm. that they couldn't use it as an investigative tool. Right. So I thought, now, they, uh, lab directors are not in a position to say much about that. So, um, you know, chief of police. They don't want to get in the, in, in the mix of the politics of it. Right. Chief of police does not want you going out there saying, right. we're backlogged, right, you know. Right, 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 right. So on the other hand, he also sees all of you as a bunch of poindexters usually, you mm-hmm. know, and, and there's not a – he didn't come up through the lab usually. <laughs> the shoe leather police work of actually walking the beat and, and knocking yeah, on doors yeah, and things like that. Yeah. Sure, so sure. if he gets money, he wants to – Go with what he's familiar with mm-hmm. this problem. So um, anyway, there got to be a catch-22 with all of that. The lab's not doing much for us. We're not doing much for the lab. And it, it went around and around. And so I said to – I called up a bunch of writer friends from that conference and said, we can talk to the public. We can get this out there. How about if we form a loose organization? I promise no meetings, no dues. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is talk about this. In front of people, I'll send you links. I'll send you educational materials from the NIJ or whatever National Institute of Justice, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, people pitched right in. The National Institute of Justice is part of the. It's an uh, an agency within the Department of Justice. It right? is. It is, and it's sort of the research arm of the um, Department of Justice. Um, they're the ones that do studies on violence and policing methods and things mm-hmm. like that it's to see stats. what's effective. Yeah, right. I gotcha. Right. I gotcha. Um, so. Well, so well, you're in the right place because uh, obviously we're uh, we deal with a lot these days, especially you know we, the news is out there that the backlogs. A lot of backlogs have now been sort of caught up, at least the processing, now plugging in the actual things, and we can sort of talk about that. Uh, We're going to do a little web extra uh, at the end of this uh, particular podcast, and we'll have that up for you next week, and we'll kind of go a little bit more in depth into more about the forensics and and what your takeaway is these days and what we're working on with that. Um, But first, uh, why don't we kind of cover some of the stories that we've got to, like I said, we try to bring the freshest stuff every week and uh, we've got some some stories today uh, this Samuel Little story which uh, a lot of true crime people out there may have uh, may be familiar with right. that's obviously got some forensic stuff here but that's uh, this one's all kind of a combination of some of the stuff is high-tech science, but it's also old school. You know, this is a Texas ranger mm-hmm. who basically flew out to L.A. and got this guy to – through through rapport, basically got this guy to to chat. So uh, the background on this basically, same, Samuel Little is a uh, – how old is he? 79 years old. Uh, the FBI just released a collection of updated info this week related to Samuel Little. This guy is now considered the most prolific serial killer in U.S. history. So right. They yeah. think uh, he's confessed to 93 murders and the FBI is following up on a lot of these things. Uh, they're considered credible. Obviously, we have a lot of – we have criminals out there who want to sort of make up numbers and for clout and for everything right. else. But they apparently think that this guy uh, back basically since the – from the 70s up until 2005 was uh, – traveling across the country. He was kind of drifting, working odd jobs. They think 93 is a plausible. Uh, they've verified at least 50 of Samuel Little's murders so far. Uh, up to this point, it was Gary Ridgway, the Green River killer, 
been convicted of 49 murders, so already he's just one above. Uh, John Wayne Gacy, he was convicted of 33 murders. Ted Bundy, only convicted of three, uh, suspected about – or he confessed to, to 30. Um, of course, John Wayne Gacy and Ted Bundy both executed. So the FBI released a bunch of information this week um, covering some of the some of the unsolved stuff. Basically – in 2005, uh, excuse me, in 2012, Samuel Little is arrested in Kentucky. Um, he's arrested on a, like on a drug charge. Uh, and the, excuse me, he was sitting in stir in Kentucky and they found out that he had a warrant in California. They shipped him back here right. to, 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 uh, to face a drug charge. The LAPD took his DNA uh, and that linked him to three murders, three unsolved homicides and murders in the late 1980s. So then he got convicted in 2014 to three life sentences, never getting out. Mm-hmm. Um, I really I, – I think it's, it's good at this point to say because although a Texas Ranger did a lot and I'm, I'm sure you're getting to that yeah, part of it, yeah, yeah. kudos to the LAPD mm-hmm. because there are a lot of people who at that point when he sh- kind of shut down, uh, he became hostile mm-hmm. toward his LAPD interrogators um, and – those detectives could have said, we've got what we need to put him away. Mm-hmm. He's never going anywhere. And, Case closed. And that's that. We've got it off the books. But they realized uh, they had somebody who had more to tell, mm-hmm. and, and they were good enough to step out of the way mm-hmm. and let somebody he'd talked to mm-hmm. get those stories out of him. Because when you think of what that meant to those families. Uh, yeah, and the sheer numbers. Yeah. You know. um, so uh, there was a Texas Ranger essentially that flew out to California and he went and interviewed Samuel Little and got him to got him to confess to a bunch of stuff. Uh, and I was just reading – I forget where it was today, but this particular Ranger is talking about how – I don't ask the usual questions about, you know – Closure and family connections and, you know, your conscience and things like that because this particular type of guy doesn't really care about that and isn't necessarily dying or itching to, to, to tell you about things. So he basically came at it from some different angles and, the, you know, sort of the, the, the softer approach of interrogation and that kind of thing. And then he gave him art supplies and this guy – he was also describing the, – the rangers describing Samuel Little basically reaching into his memory and kind of – Remembering, recalling all these people, he basically had a carousel in his head of, of each of these people. And uh, for our for our viewers, listeners at home, you can check this out on TrueCrimeDaily.com or the YouTube channel. Um, he produced a bunch. Uh, there's at least uh, there's 30 here. Uh, I forget how many he did in total, but they're fairly detailed, accurate, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know they're in color and, and all the rest. And he has described. Um, if you search, if you go to FBI, FBI.gov and search the Samuel Little, uh, there's some archives there. Basically, they break it down into each case. There's um, – what do we got here? 30 cases of unidentified murdered women mm-hmm. uh, still uh, unsolved mm-hmm. and they're uh, we're in California, Nevada, Arizona, Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, Illinois, Kentucky, Ohio, Tennessee, Maryland, Georgia, South Carolina, and Florida. This guy got around. He did. And um, – they have reason to believe that these are all uh, legitimate. So I'd urge everybody, and obviously they want to clear these books as well. We've got living relatives and that kind of thing. Uh, one of these, I forget which one it was, but uh, uh, was it this one? If you've got some DNA 
evidence or if you basically if you if you are related to one of these people and you think that you are related that mm-hmm. they can essentially go and give a DNA sample and some right. of these remains are still there. Well, I think the the big message for just overall, if you're missing mm-hmm. someone in your family, if there's a friend you went to school with that nobody knows what happened to this person, go up to uh, NamUs, mm-hmm. which is a government website. Uh, enter as much information as you can about that person. It's free. It's open to the public. Uh, NamUs will work with local jurisdictions to help them with the forensic anthropology side of missing remains and things like that. So even if this wasn't someone who was, and I'm hoping not, uh, murdered by Samuel Little, mm-hmm. um, you'll be able to take things a step farther towards solving that. And and if if you had a family member or know of somebody who was, you know, in these areas and and nobody heard from them, you know, I think sometimes uh, he he targeted vulnerable populations. Obviously he he targeted right. sex workers. Mm-hmm. Um and so everybody is somebody to someone. Right. You know? Um so those women had families, those women had friends um, so if, if, you know, that's not the issue at this point, the issue is, you know, helping a family find out what, right. what became of somebody. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of these were in the seventies and, and going into the eighties. Obviously we have technologies better nowadays, but, right. uh, you know, back then you're talking about, uh, flyers or milk cartons and things like that. If somebody goes missing, if you're lucky, right. uh, obviously the interconnectivity of, of what we have now is, was light years away in the, in the seventies and right. hitchhiking and people disappearing and things like that, uh, gets a little bit of a, you know, uh, we have an idea of, of what the seventies were like. And, um, you know, this guy, this guy was busy, um, the ninth, uh, so yeah, like I said, we'll stick around and we're going to talk about uh, NamUs and uh, more forensic stuff in the WebEx that we'll have uh, next week. Um, just for some more details as far as the Samuel Little guy, who was a strangulations and he describes in detail, right. uh, you know, said one woman was laughing and other times that he was, she was struggling for her life and he's struggling for fun and, you know, obviously took some sadistic pleasure out of this. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know a whole lot about the affect of the uh, of the interviews, but he certainly seems like he's happy to. I don't. It, it doesn't seem like it's gleeful. It's just sort of like, oh, I'm, if you, since you're asking, I've got a card catalog of all this information. Right. Um, this is also where you begin to admire the people who do this kind of interrogation because they have to hold it together through all of that and appear to be befriending right. uh, this person, right. you know, while internally they may, <laughs> you know. Yeah, to, to establish uh, that rapport, you've got to right. make a little connection there. And, you know, right. I I haven't seen that show Mindhunter, but uh, all mm. those kind of – or profiling in general and that kind of stuff, it does take a sort of certain talent to um, – uh, yeah. to connect like that and then also be able to not take that home with you at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I imagine. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'd encourage everybody to go to FBI.gov and search for Samuel Little and get more in-depth details of mm-hmm. each of those cases. That's for fans as well as, you know, if if you if any of this rings a bell or anybody in your family or anything like that, uh, it's worth a look. Um, this is, like I said, this more information came out this week. We've been hearing about a lot of this over the past year, basically this year. Um but it's sort of still developing. Like they are definitely this right. guy's on the map. It's, there's that strange window of where 
these guys didn't know about DNA, so they left their DNA. Mm -hmm. So they're more vulnerable in some ways than maybe the current crop is, you know, um, to having left evidence behind. But on the other hand, as you say, you know, there was no interconnection of information. Everything was paper. Many departments didn't have computers, or if they had them, they weren't connected to larger systems. Not even a fax machine in the 70s. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, uh, like I say, uh, you, they're, they're, all, they're vulnerable women, sex workers, drug addicts, according to the FBI. Um, the DNA stuff, obviously, we just talked about a little bit about it, but uh, with shows like CSI and, and mm-hmm. even Law and Order, for that matter, over the past 15 years, I would say, it's gotten into the collective conscious, uh, collective consciousness that... Yes, DNA is everywhere and all these kinds of things. But even in the late 90s, it was sort of like that uh, the procedurals weren't as uh, scientifically. You know, you still had lab work and things like that. But it's definitely much more in the public mind, if Mm -hmm. you will, you know, especially with the true crime being a a genre that people are into. A lot of armchair experts. We we also, though, tend to believe it's all more, um, as I said, well-funded than it is. Mm-hmm. We tend to believe that it's, um, just as a good example, um, people think it'll solve everything. But if you have, say, one of the more common types of murder where a spouse murders a spouse, um, that person's DNA has every right to be there mm-hmm. in the home. You know, sure. it, it's so their DNA is not going to solve the crime. If, if there's any other reason for the DNA of that individual to be on the scene, you know, it's not going to be, I mean, right. it have to be pretty specific kinds of places that it's found and so on. So, yeah, it's, it's all much more complex. And um, the other side of that is, um, and, you know, we can get into this, more later, but is that throughout this country, most of the people doing the medical legal death investigation, um, most coroners um, and first of all, there's no meaning to the words coroner or medical examiner that's accepted throughout the country. In some places, the coroner is elected. In some places, mm-hmm. they're appointed. Sometimes they have to have a minimum education most places they don't. Most places you just have to not have committed a felony, um, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> to be you uh, title. Uh, able to – over the age of 18, I think, um, you might have to take a 10- or a 20-hour course. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite example of this is um, when Justice Scalia died. Mm-hmm. Um, he died in an area, uh, Texas. Right. Most of it is Justice of the Peace. Uh, Justice of the Peace isn't a lawyer. They're not a doctor. They're not uh, even mm-hmm. a necessarily investigator. Mm-hmm. So it's all the layers of what can go wrong are still there. <laughs> we had a uh, we had a guest, uh, a former Burbank police officer, Eric Rossoff, a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about uh, DNA uh, tests and, and rape kits and, and the backlog of that stuff. And it's also sort of misleading that, uh, yes, the backlogs are – in many places are finally being caught up, but that just means now they have that stuff in the database, but it's still the hard work of somebody going and actually threading that needle and making those connections and things like that. Uh, which right. Is, you still need investigators. You still yeah. need to support. It's a team effort. None of this stuff is just solved by forensics or just solved. Uh, you can solve a lot with, with old school investigation, but to get the conviction. Um, yeah. You know, and you're not always going to have uh, cooperative uh, you know, 
large-scale uh, uh, criminals like Samuel Little confessing right. here. So right. um, we will uh, update more on this uh, developing information as it comes at uh, truecrimedaily.com. Check that out, Samuel Little. Um, moving along to uh, a story out of San Diego County and Southern California here, where we're coming from. Um, we're coming from Southern California, not to uh, San Diego County, but uh, a couple hours south. Um, there was an incident. You may recall the popular NBC show uh, To Catch a Predator. Uh, there's been a bunch of sort of copy, copycat, uh, uh, sh- copycat activity over the past uh, 10 or 15 years in the same way, uh, trend across the country with uh, individuals or groups sort of acting as online vigilantes. You remember the setup is basically they would uh, uh, have a specified law enforcement task force organization sort of doing online stings, mm-hmm. going after child sex predators and things like that, you set up a date so-called um, you get the person to show up. Uh, in this case, on this particular series, it was a, they would have a house rigged up with cameras and they have cops hiding in the background. And basically they have a little uh, person who – a young person, a young adult who looked young, basically playing the sort of bait role. person would come in there. They'd get them to sort of interact and then the cops would swoop in. Everybody knows this. So in the intervening years after this show's not on anymore – but a lot of people online have sort of gone in the same way where they have taken upon themselves to uh, sort of try to entrap people online yeah. and then get them to meet up in a certain space and then record them on their phone or camera or whatever else, confront them, get them, you know, make a confrontation, and then ostensibly to take that information to law enforcement and bust the – sometimes it seems like people are dedicated to that. Other times it almost seems more like a – like an internet famous kind of a thing where they're yeah. kind of doing stunts and and law enforcement agencies across the country d- generally, I should say specifically, don't want you to do this because you, you're a specifically trained ta- task force uh, people from law enforcement agencies know how to deal with these guys. You know, they're almost always guys um, in the ways to that you're not entrapping and that you're you, Basically, they know what they're doing. If you're some sort of amateur, you could give your own location away, give all sorts of information that you're talking to a potential mm-hmm. criminal there. Uh, not to mention the fact that there's been more than a few uh, confrontational incidents that have made it online, others that haven't. Um, you know, nobody wants to be confronted with, like, you know, right. you, can, you can imagine. So in, let's see. This Sunday in the city of Vista, California, which is about 40 miles north of San Diego, uh, the city, sheriff's deputies responded to a report of a kidnapping outside of a coffee shop at a strip mall at about 2.30 in the afternoon. That was on Sunday. According to the San Diego County Sheriff's Department, a group of juveniles, uh, further reading tells me that this is three gals, this is three girls, uh, two 17-year-olds and an 18-year-old. They were apparently using a social media app to communicate in this manner to go sort of do this online vigilante thing. Uh, they found they wanted to use a social media app to communicate with an older man who was allegedly seeking underage girls for sex. This group convinced this man, who was later identified as 32-year-old Robert Dreyfus, to show up at this coffee shop where they intended to record and expose this guy, according to the department. LA Times, as I said, this is two 17-year-olds and an 18-year-old. When Dreyfus arrived, he... Uh, Officials say he talked to the 17-year-old girl 
who's part of this group. He talked her into getting into his car so that they could talk. I don't have the details on it. It sounds like she was probably the point person on this, um, the one that he went to meet up with thinking she was uh, allegedly underage. Uh, deputies say that uh, Dreyfus then uh, drove off with the girl in the car. They didn't see that coming without her consent. So he allegedly drove around with her for several miles. Um, we don't know yet whether they sprung it and said, hey, we know who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, you're busted or whether she was sort of still going along with this alleged con or whatever the case was. But So he drove with her for several miles. She managed to text her friends and say, you know, I'm in right. trouble. And, and, and so they called the cops, sheriff's deputies. They called Dreyfus on his cell phone. He eventually pulled over when they were nearby. He got out and ran away on foot. They quickly apprehended him. 17-year-old girl's fine. She's rescued safely. He's been, uh, rich, uh, excuse me, Robert Dreyfus has been, uh, he was arrested for kidnapping, sending, sending harmful matter to a minor and communication with a minor for specific offenses. Um, this is the that? ultimate do not try this at home. Uh, there are so many reasons not to do this. Let's say it worked perfectly. You, courts are complicated. Individuals have rights. Um, right. And you could actually be setting yourself up for a huge lawsuit if if things uh, don't turn out the way you hoped they would. Mm-hmm. Um, there are rules of law. There are rules of evidence. All that. But let's just go the personal safety route. I can easily think of a scenario in which he grabs her phone, tosses it out the window. Nobody can track her. Nobody can find what's become of her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then then where are we? <laughs> you know, her friends saying, well, find friends, you know, right. has her off on the side of the road. And, and that area, um, Vista is very near some uh, pretty um, – Rural areas, mm-hmm. pretty, um, you know, there's a lot of wildlife areas near there. Fallbrook and that kind yeah. of area yeah, out there. You yeah, don't you big, have to go too far. Camp Pendleton's near there. It's right. wilderness And Camp Pendleton, there. exactly. A right. giant, sprawling uh, military base out there where, you know, you don't want to get lost right. out there either. But, yeah, there's a lot of open space out there. Some of these online vigilantes I've seen um, are burly men. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's like a – there's one in particular that was an ex-military uh, guy. And, you know, I've seen the gamut of this. There was a guy that uh, we covered uh, a year or two ago who was, I think he was in Michigan. He's just a young kid. He was probably 19 or 20 and he was going out and doing this thing and he just was not very physically imposing. Kind of, you could kind of see the dangerous uh, elements here. It's the first time I've seen anybody actually get sort of abducted like this, but is the natural mm-hmm. uh, occurrence the natural course of events, you would think, if if you're doing this. Um, and like we say, law enforcement doesn't want you to do this. They say be a good witness if you were actually, you know, uh, had witnessed something like this so that they could go through the proper route in court, that kind of thing. You know, if you're recording on a phone, there's sort of rules about that as well. But the whole entrapment thing is uh, it's a dangerous game. Whether these particular group were thrill-seeking or whether they were actually going after this thing or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, let the police do the job if you're – there are b- better ways to be a good citizen. And, and right, right. There are so many ways in, in which law enforcement can use your support right. in all of this. Um, this probably isn't your best right. option would be. Right. This could have, <laughs> as you say, this could have gone a lot worse. So uh, at least uh, yeah. this guy's Glad been apprehended. Safe. I'll, yes, I'll exactly. Say that. Yeah. We'll see. What, we'll. I'm curious to see, and we'll we'll find out whether anything actually does come from 
any alleged evidence that whatever the te- these teens came through with, but just the abduction itself should be enough to sort of, sort of yeah. get this guy off the streets here for a while yeah. um, and may, may or may not be an indication of guilt uh, otherwise. Mm. So, you know, kids, don't play this game at home. Um, how about we go to Texas and talk about, you know, it's the end of the season, end of the wedding season. People are kind of wrapping up. We had a couple of wedding marriage headlines this week. This one in particular, this is a Texas man arrested last Friday night after allegedly confessing to a bank robbery in the city of Crockett, Texas, roughly halfway between Dallas and Houston. This is Heath Bumpus. is 36 years old. He's accused of uh, robbing a bank in Groveton, Texas, about 25 miles away from where he's from uh, in Crockett on Friday morning. Trinity County Sheriff's officials say that Bumpus implied that he had a gun during the robbery and got away with an undisclosed amount of cash, which if you're going to rob a bank, first of all, to me, it seems ridiculous. I guess maybe in in sort of uh, remote areas of Texas or other places like that, but robbing a bank in 2019 seems uh, like a losing prospect, you know, like you're (laughs) – Seems like technology is going to catch up with you. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's, there's a, we're in Southern California here, where you know there are all those banks. There was a bunch of bank robberies in the '90s, and mm-hmm. you know I've been to banks in in Orange County and things that are near the freeway where they have you know locking mm. doors when you go in so they can lock you and do all that kind of stuff. I guess out in sort of rural Texas, maybe that's not so much the case, but uh, it still seems like a uh, bad I, idea. I don't know. There, like you said, there was a period of time where the the local uh, Los Angeles FBI agency had bank robbery capital of the mm-hmm. United States mm-hmm. in their letterhead. And I think the, the guys back in D.C. saw that and said, well, let's let's drop that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah, or, yeah, you know, yeah. then you're inviting other states to sort of, you know, hold my beer. We're going we're gonna to go after that ourselves. <laughs> right, yeah. So this guy, uh, Heath Bumpus, well, he uh, was caught after his fiancée convicted, excuse me, convinced him to turn himself in. Uh, she apparently saw still images of, of her fiance on security footage that uh, local authorities had released on f- Facebook. So Bumpus then went to Houston County Courthouse and turned himself in because his fiance convinced him to do that, which was nice of him. Uh, Hard and he for was, her, I'm sure, and good for her, though. Yeah, I mean, I, she must have been a little surprised because. As we're going to tell you here, the motivation, the alleged motivation of this alleged robbery was that he needed money to pay for the wedding ring and to pay for the wedding venue. So uh, I'm not married, but uh, I would think that uh, the wedding ring, you would kind of have that in hand before you did the thing. But, you know, he's kind of close. He had a plan here. Uh, USA Today reports that he drove straight to the wedding venue and paid the bill for that area that day uh, directly after the bank. So he's a responsible guy in that regard, allegedly, uh, before he was called by his fiance and she got him to surrender. Um, Bumpus has reportedly made a full confession. Wedding was scheduled to take place Saturday the next day. It didn't go off. Uh, he's con- he's charged Heath, with, a, I have to admit. Uh, you know, he looks like a, a nice enough guy. Uh, I, I shouldn't make any, kind of, I shouldn't make any judgments based on what yeah. he looks like, but, uh, yeah, he looks a little over his head. Um, he's been charged with felony aggravated robbery. Could face up to 99 years in prison if he's convicted. Most of the money described as less than $10,000 has been recovered. Again, robbing banks, they've got the die packs, they've got the thing, and they've got all the stuff. Like, uh, it's, a, it's a heck of a chance. I mean, I don't know, uh, $10,000. Well, and as they're showing here, I mean, your, your, your neighbors have cameras for what you're taking off their porch. Sure. Uh, so you can be pretty sure that— 
no matter how rural the area is, there are going to be cameras in, in the bank you're robbing. And uh, social media helped the police out here. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, instantaneously. And, boy, it doesn't get much more intimate than your own fiancé uh, turning you in. But uh, yeah. I guess she could have, you know, maybe made it work. Uh, you know, the bad boy thing. You know, <laughs> this is how much he loves me. What's the – you know, he's willing, yeah. to, willing to do the thing. Well, I, th- I think there are people who I think feel like, oh, you know, if I love someone or if they're family, I've got to I've got to do all I can on their behalf to help them escape the law. And right. so, like I said, right. to That's her credit, issue. she uh, absolutely she apparently – Took a higher road. Uh, also, apparently, the sheriff's office is right down the street from this uh, from this bank where this <laughs> happened. So this is truly a small town, and really um, not thought out. I mean, <laughs> maybe he should have driven to gone all the way down to the big city to do the thing if you were going to do the thing. Of course, I should say on the record: don't commit crimes and don't do bank robberies. So right. uh, uh, let's right. let's let's not do that. With that in mind, we do get uh, comments. We get a lot of comments. We're we have a pretty good online. Presence mm-hmm. on Facebook, mm-hmm. on Twitter, on uh, TrueCrimeDaily.com, as well as YouTube. We had comments about this particular story. Amanda L., uh, one of our commenters, uh, she said, True love knows no bounds. Rose Bell O. said, Married to the cell block, which, you know, that's, uh, that's a good point. Cheryl P. said, uh, Was he planning on spending his marriage stealing to give his wife everything she wanted to keep her happy? That's a fair question. Um, like we said, I think you addressed that a little bit. This woman decided to go the, the high road instead of kind of looking the other way. Um, yeah. And I said, like I said, some 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 people love the bad boy or the bad girl, and, and right. she, that was a, a bridge too far for her. Well, I think also um, ideally she's, she's figured out that Heath is not someone who – Thinks very far ahead. Yeah, <laughs> that's know? true. It's a bullet dodge, I, there, I, isn't I, it? I, I, you know, it seems to me. You know, and maybe this is an an aberrant moment for him, but um, right, but, well, that's true. <laughs> we don't know whether this is a whirlwind thing, and he decided. You know, they they'd gotten engaged this week, and uh, oh, I forgot about that ring. Pressure. I got to got to do the thing, yeah. or whether uh, you know, he's a I'm a procrastinator. I'm a deadline kind of guy. So all the way at the last minute. Oh, I'm getting married the day after tomorrow. Boy, I better come up with a plan. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I hate to make light of the fact that the, yeah. this guy's in jail and he's doing the bank robbery. Don't yeah. do bank robberies. Um, yeah. And, you, you know, go make your make your wife an honest woman without uh, stealing the funds, allegedly, to get that. Um, to our next story about uh, – we get comments about this particular woman – who uh, employees called police about a woman burning off price tags with a butane torch and then placing the merchandise in a bag. This was at uh, at a Walmart. Um, After officers handcuffed her, uh, police say she attempted to kick and headbutt officers. She did not go quietly. Kimberly H. says, uh, damn, if Walmart price tags were too much for her, she goes to Macy's, she would burn down the whole store. Uh, It is a... I guess that's not the worst way to go. I mean, you're sort of, uh, is there another price tag? Then, uh, yeah, I, I, who's to say I didn't wear this in or you didn't bring this in or whatever. But It's kind of hard to, to do that uh, on the slide. Inconspicuously, <laughs> yeah. One thing is to snip with a little scissors, but burning them off. Um, so, yeah, like Sean DeM says, if I'm going to jail over clothes, it won't be from Walmart. That's a good point to, you know uh, – you might want to go somewhere else, but uh, again, don't commit crimes. Don't uh, do this. Uh, Samantha J says, you can literally pull the tag off with no one noticing. There is that. Um, this woman had a plan. She was committed to it. Uh, he will keep you updated with how that turns out when she, when we have more information on her. Uh, 
that is about it for our show this week. Thank you, Jan Burke, for Thank being you. here with us this week. Really appreciate it. Where um, where do you like to send uh, uh, for viewers and listeners and people who are interested in what you're doing? What uh, where do you get most of your content? Uh, I have a, a website that's just my name, J A N B U R K E dot mm-hmm. com, and um, you can find me there. I'm on Facebook. Uh, Twitter, all the usual, all the usual uh, spots. spots. Gotcha. Um, Got to be there. And uh, I'm also um, would love it if people would visit, as I said, uh, NAM uh, US. Uh-huh. It's like name us without the E. Right. And um, dot gov and and check out that site. See what they can do. Which for you. we're going to talk a little bit about now uh, in a couple minutes here. We'll have uh, this web extra here for you next week. Um, and of course we'll put all your contact details in the descriptions and of the podcast on our YouTube video. Uh, you can find our content on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, and on YouTube. Get our updates and subscribe to our newsletter at truecrimedaily.com. Until next week, this is True Crime Daily, the podcast reminding you, don't do crimes. Don't do crimes.